When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess. For elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Pantheon Podcast. So wonderful to be here, to be here with you. Hope you're sleepy, because we're going to have something for you. And this is Nick St. Nicholas, used to be in Steppenwolf. So with that, wish you a good night. Sleep tight. Welcome to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, a Pantheon podcast. Music, culture, conversation, and good old-fashioned rock and roll. So now, I give you Miss Pamela and her pajama party. Hello, dolls. Pamela DeBar here. Michael, my ex-husband Michael always said it rhymes with gay bar. So that's how you can remember how it's pronounced. And it's spelled capital D-E-S, capital B-A-R-R-E-S. And I would love for you guys to go to my brand new website, PamelaDeBarOfficial.com. I have so many cool things there now, lots of photos. I sell my books and I have vintage clothes there. I have all kinds of cool stuff, jewelry I got in Puerto Vallarta. So please visit me at PamelaDeBar.com. And you are here with me today at Pantheon Podcasts, where I think this is my 23rd or 24th podcast. And I'm really enjoying this ride. And I hope you continue to hang out with me here in, my, in your pajamas, because I'm in my pajamas always. Okay, and today we have a very, very special guest. You know, I have a thing for bass players. I've always had a thing for them. You'll, you'll find out later in this podcast 
exactly which bass players, but Rudy Sarzo is a bass player, and he has played with so many amazing bands, and, and he's a deeply spiritual dude, and I really connect with him. He played with Quiet Riot for many years, Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne for many years, and White Snake, and and you know the Guess Who is who he's recently been playing with, and he's he's played with so many different people, and I want you to take a listen to him because he is very cool dude, and I'm very excited about this show. How are you? I can't believe we've never met. Have we met? Yes, we have. When? Yes, we have. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I used to work at a place called McNaturals. Oh, yes, of course. In the 70s. Uh, OB 1978. Yeah, about 1978 because I was playing with Choir Riot, the Randy Rose version of the band at the time in yeah. Los Angeles, of course. And I used to work at McNaturals. And you used to come in with Michael. Yep. And a baby, a baby in a stroller. That's correct. That's my son, Nick. He is now 42. <laughs> oh, my God. It's been that long. Oh, my God. Yo, yeah. There you go. 1978-ish, you know. And uh, uh, you guys, especially, you used to wear over overalls, which was like a big thing back then in I the did? 70s. That's so yes. unlike me. <laughs> yes, yes. That must have been a blip. <laughs> overalls and and the and the and the, uh, the the baby carriage and and michael and i thought what a beautiful family you know Aww. and i was i was correct yeah that's so yeah. nice you know it's it's funny that you had mentioned that store i love that store it was a drag mm-hmm. that went out of business it was sort of on the borderline of beverly hills right uh no actually across from tower records magnaturals it was a fast food health food oh. uh, vegetarian oh, okay place. yeah 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 okay i was mixing yeah. it up with a with a a health food store nearby there too yeah mac naturals it was okay. owned by the the baker family i mean oh this is like a whole di- yes yeah we're going to yes. hold different podcasts naturals <laughs> oh my god now i remember yeah 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 and, uh, that was yeah, early ba- veggie burgers and stuff that's right yeah. i was the master <laughs> the master veggie burger maker you at the were? time yes i was i have Among a degree in so many <laughs> other things that you've done <laughs> but yes my crowning moment was making the veggie burger. That was it. Forget about all the platinum records and everything. <laughs> making veggie burgers. Well, what, what was the special <laughs> ingredient? Uh, well, you know, it was, it, I would make it different today, but back then it was very much grain, grain mm. base, just to yeah. keep it together. Right, right. And Early. that was the trick. How to, how to, because it was on a grill, you know, like a hibachi. Well, you know, one of those flat, when you go to, when you go to uh, Benihana, you know, they have that grill, right? Yeah. So yeah. one side of the grill had to be vegan. 
And oh. the other one was for right, the right. other things that we used to cook, you know, which nowadays that doesn't work, you know, <laughs> because yeah. it just has to be one grilled vegan, the other one yes, you know, yes. for, for meat, you know. And uh, so the what kept it together was a lot of grains, which I, I tried to stay away from grains myself, you know, and make a more vegetable plant based. But the uh, it was a lot of tomatoes and a lot of onions, which I also stay away from onions. And Why? Why yeah. stay away from onions? It, it, onions and I love garlic. I love garlic way more than I do onions because of the taste. But I always get hangovers. You know, I used to have that pizza, the rainbow with extra garlic. Yeah. And it, I, I don't mean an alcohol hangover, but kind of like a like the next morning, I would really feel the garlic kind of like in my stomach, <laughs> turning it over. Yeah. Hmm. But that's that's me. I'm I'm very fragile. Are, are, you know, very are, sensitive. So, so, so you're a, a picky eater. A picky eater. Would you call yourself? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I stick to certain things. Like uh, uh, unless I am performing. See, I like to have one main meal. So I pick one time of the day. So let's say I'm on tour and I'm playing that night. My main meal is my lunch because I need to have it uh, digest for about six to eight hours. That's what I hear from a lot of musicians. They don't want to eat before they play. Because no, just, you want to feel lighter up there, I would assume. I, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I, it, because everything gets amplified, at least in my mind. When I'm on stage and I grew up a fat kid, I was fat. Really? Yeah, I would have been a famous rapper if, I would, if that was today. Because <gasps> I, I look like one of the big, you know, biggie, whatever, you know rappers guys you know <laughs> so but we're back in the 60s that was a no you know you can even get you know a girl's attention if you weight like you know if you were 10 pounds overweight back I know. then i remember you know. girls love those skinny boys i sure Absolutely. did androgynous boys i see yeah you still have that quality which is very impressive yes I can still fit into my wife's clothes, <laughs> which <Excellent>. is my. <laughs> that's, that's because back important. then, come on, you know, you and I, we come from the same scene. And what I mean, oh, yeah. come is, I, I believe I was born on the Sunset Strip. I'm originally mm -hmm. from Cuba. Right. I, when my family went to uh, to Miami in the 60s, 1961, it's going to be 60 years, September 1st, this, uh, this September 1st. And then I, I escaped disco and I made my way to L.A., and, you know, I was one of the many starving musicians who yeah. would go to the Rainbow. And then, of course, you know, that, that uh, the Rainbow parking lot being the last call for you to actually sleep on a bed that night. And um, <laughs> so I would go home and to somebody, some kind soul that would take me. And uh, uh -huh. before before she took me back to where I was, I was living with the band you know one bedroom when all the guys living together Jeez. before she did that i would go through her closet and see what would fit oh. and come home with a new wardrobe <laughs> that's how it happened huh wow oh come on you were there you know probably oh, oh yes, too. But yes. Yeah. i used to share clothes i remember one time jimmy page left town and he gave me his green velvet pants and some purple t-shirt and I wore it a lot and it fit me perfectly. And I, and I weighed about 108 pounds or something back then. Oh so yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're very famously famous and infamous at the same time, which is very rare. <laughs> <laughs> Am I both really? 
I always say are. I'm infamous, but not famous. Oh, oh, oh yes, oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I, you know, listen, you know, I, I, I played with uh, Steve Vai. And one of the things that I love about playing with Steve Vai is that I actually got to pick his brain about his experience with Frank Zappa. Yeah. And and you come from that very oh, small sure circle. Do, yeah. 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 Are you a fan of Frank's? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a, any true musician has to be a fan of Frank. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's unavoidable. Well, he was a, I always think of him as a composer because I used to yeah. sit, I used to sit in the GTOs early, early on and watch him compose. It was the most amazing thing. He would sit at the piano and just look up in the air. Like that's where he was getting the notes from. And then he'd write them down. You know, he could read music and write music and everything. And, and I was always transfixed by that because he was getting them out of nowhere, right? <laughs> it was just so awesome. One of the things that really drew me to Frank's consciousness is that he was not an elitist. He could be, he could write the most, uh, Slonimsky, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, type of composition and then turn around and sign Alice Cooper, <laughs> you know, so it was like, he was very broad in his vision about what music should be. And I really admire that. And he, and he was in his right mind all the time. His right mind. What, he never got learn? high, never got drunk. So it was, it, he was very different in that era. Yeah. That, that made him a freak. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> What's wrong with you? It did make him a freak. <laughs> When, when, when I they, when I joined forces with him, I was I was a hippie, and then I was a flower child, and then when I joined forces with Frank and those Vito dancers and those, I became a freak myself, and I loved being a freak. I really did. I felt like it was a you could stand out from all the hippies and flower children <laughs> by being a freak. What was that metamorphosis like? What did you leave behind, and what did you embrace to become a freak? Well, I, close into the hippie scene, pretty early on, I realized that they didn't bathe a lot. And I always <laughs> liked to smell good. So I, I quickly, you know, I went to Haight-Ashbury a little bit and realized these people didn't even have a home to bathe in, a lot of them. And, you know, so I kind of left the hippie scene, became a flower child because I like to have flowers in my hair and go, ooh, you know, oh, it's all so beautiful. And then I realized it wasn't all that beautiful and I wanted to be edgier. So uh, meeting Frank, it all happened around the same time. And I met these crazy girls and, you know, we were all similar. We wanted to stand out in a crowd. We we're young, still teenagers, you know, uh, and I just became a freak then. And I consider myself a combination of all of those today. <laughs> but this is an interview about you. <laughs> No, no, I mean, it's, it, it, listen, I am such a fan of, of what you and I lived through that I, I always like to get other people's perceptions of what it was like back then because I only have mine. Yeah, and yeah. I could be, and I could be standing next to somebody and we witness the same thing and we're going to have both of us different perceptions of oh, what sure, we just saw. Sure. Even, yeah, you know? exactly, yeah. And for a woman, too, it was different. It was very, very different. You know, there was no girl groups at all and frank created that because we were just dancers we had a dance group and ah. called the laurel canyon ballet company and we were dancing with several bands three dog night and 
love and these different bands that we'd get up on stage and frolic, you know. And we started hanging out with Frank because Miss Christine was the governess. And we met at, at Vito. Are you familiar with Vito at all? No, what is that? Oh my gosh. Vito was this wild dancer, this wild, you know, he, he came from the beat scene. He was already in his 50s. Rodney Bingenheimer took me to his 54th birthday party. And he was just, he gathered this troupe of absolute kooks and freaks. And we danced, uh, uh, love-ins. And, you know, and we branched off from Vito and became Laurel Canyon Ballet Company because he was too wild. He would literally pick you up and throw you across the floor. Uh, and, and so Frank got, you know, we started dancing with the mothers. And that's right when he got his label. So he wanted to, to turn into a group. He thought we had something to say. We thought we thought we, you know, teenage girls in Laurel Canyon had a story. He wanted it. So he, that's what that was his thing. He wanted to pull stories out of people. He was he was so curious. That's part of his also his amazingness, you know, his curiosity. Interesting. Somebody pulling stories out of people who, who, who were actually pulled into Lowell Canyon by some kind of magnetic energy, yeah. global magnetic energy. Yeah, uh, it was beautiful there. It still is. It's a beautiful place to be. Where are you originally from? The Valley, Reseda. Oh, really? Yeah, I moved Reseda? back there not too long ago. Yeah. yeah, right in my old hood. I used to have yeah. to hitchhike over the hill, you know, to get to Hollywood. I, the first person I met there was Captain Beefheart. I mean, of all people. It was a life-changing thing because his cousin went to my high school. Long story, but this is about you. <laughs> no, no, no. I loved it. No, this, I think this is more about the essence of what, what drew us to, uh, for you to basically go over Laurel Canyon and me. I came from a little bit further than that. Yes. <laughs> but yes. we went up in the same place because we were pulled by the same magnetic energy, what was going on. And, and it's still here. I think it's a little bit dormant. Because I don't think people people are using it in the right way. I think that what was creative spiritually back then, it's now become creative technology-wise. Yeah. People are but, using too much technology in their music creation. Yeah, I believe that. I'm definitely a fan of live, real music. I never got into in, any of the tech, tech no, I never got into it. I, I just love real music i want to be able to reach out and touch the people you know? yeah because Literal. it's happening yeah it's happening in the moment now yeah 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 even yeah, though yeah. it might have been something that they're reproducing something that has been re-record uh, pre-recorded like let's say the creation of a song but you know let's say even artists like uh uh frank zappa it was all about improvisation it has to be we, we got the song and then we're going to improvise. On yes, it. yes, yes. And that's great, too. It doesn't always have to be exactly the same. But I no. love just the reality, just the, the tangibility of the instruments right in front of me. And, you know, I still feel uh, that. I still because, feel that. Because you're, you're witnessing the transformation from matter to waves, which is one <laughs> of the very unique yeah. things that we do as musicians. You know, first of all, you know, I mean, talking about, you know, quantum physics, you look, you know, it's this whole thing that we are experiencing, which is probably not even a reality. We are in some yeah. hologram experience here. It's all based on, on, on waves, right? Yeah. So once we put our focus on something, then we create the particle, the matter. 
you know, things solidify and become in our realm, a reality, basically of a hologram. But what we do is different. We take, I call it God. Some people call it the universe. You know, the universe creation. I mean, somebody had to create the universe. So I like to go to the source, <laughs> you know, Me the too. creator. You know? <laughs> Me so, too. So, so, you know, the creator creates this in our planet, right? From waves, right? From, you know, just like we are, we all made, we all made out of the same substance, photons. Yeah. So yeah. this becomes a reality. Then we use this instrument to create waves. And now it becomes what it Sound. originally was. Sound. <laughs> Sound. Sound. Yeah. 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 And, and those waves is what is really hitting our bodies right there, right there now. I mean, you know, it, it's... Of course, you know, we listen to the radio, we listen to pre-recorded music, but there's nothing like being there in that moment. And having said that, I got a question for you, because I'm really intrigued about your experiences. What record, besides your own music that you made, were you present for to witness, like in a recording studio? Recording? Mm. Huh. Not a whole lot, but my favorite, the one I remember the most, is Wild Horses with Graham Parsons, wow. Flying Burrito Brothers, Mercy and I, uh, yeah, Mercy and I were the only two people in the studio that night with the burritos and Leon Russell, and he was playing piano, and Graham was so thrilled that Keith had given, Mick and Keith had given him this song before they even recorded it, and it was an incredibly yeah. magical experience. I just felt like I was there for some birth i mean it was i always really understood and got the importance of the places i was you know i mean i i always kept my diaries and wrote about it right away exactly what they said and you know and i always found myself in the center of things like that so that was pretty amazing to be there for that song well you're the you're the second person that i got to actually hear stories about graham the other one was uh emilu harris mm -hmm. yeah uh, sure. we, we did an event a charity event a couple of years ago uh the year before covid you know yeah, hit us here yeah. and and uh because i'm really fascinated by graham's uh trajectory him you know dropping out of college or university and then you know <laughs> then taking over taking over uh the, basically the birds when he well, came yeah, in. That, that, yeah, that's quite a story. Yeah. I was there yeah. early, early days. Um, his daughter, Polly Parsons, is my goddaughter. I was there early, early days with them. I was my, you know, people ask me my favorite band and they always expect me to say Zeppelin or the Who or, you know, the people mm -hmm. I hung out with, Stones, whatever. But it's always the uh, Flying Burrito Brothers. And yeah. And some people say, who who's that? They haven't even heard me. Yeah. Well, I have to tell them about this yeah. time at the Whiskey A Go Go when Graham was singing a George Jones song. She thinks I still no. She once lived here. He had two of them, which begin with she. She once lived here, and he was crying. He was weeping through the song. The tears were, and I was, I was looking around. No one was noticing this, and I was like, "This is the most amazing moment of my rock and roll life." I knew it, right? But they, a lot of people weren't paying that kind of attention. It was just, oh, he was so present. You know, that's what it is. Presence, right? When someone's playing music and you're right there, it's like the giver and the receiver become each other, you know? 
right? So that's oh no, I hear it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's I think think we're doing that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, having said that about such a deep, serious moment, you know, there's once it started getting into into uh, you know Graham Parsons and and his this whole story, I, I started doing some research on YouTube and. There's very little, very little video. One of them is the Flame Burrito Brothers video. And they're playing, a, is it called Burrito Number 9? Is that the number yeah, of the burrito? There's one and two. There's Burrito 1 Burrito 2. Okay, I think Burrito Number 2. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very sad, beautiful yeah. melody to it, yes. right? And there's a video. And what they did is they changed instruments. They were not taking it seriously. It's a very beautiful song. But it was like the most punk version. Oh, yeah, they're the- goofing around. Oh, he was a total yeah. punk. He was a total punk, especially after he met Keith Richards. You know, they they like became each other. That was a bromance before the word existed. And that was like a really karmic relationship transferring each other. to. I mean, it was wild. It was wild to witness that. Yeah, Graham has been credited with teaching... Uh, Keith Richards different tunings on the guitar, which I'm changed sure. the texture of, let's say, Exile Main on Main Street, the yeah, way yeah. it was recorded. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was right there for a lot of that stuff. You know, fly, uh, there's a few songs, Country Honk, and you know, there's two or three, four songs that he really contributed to. I think because he was hanging out with Keith then. Wow. I, think he, I I doubt if he cared if his name was on it or anything, he was always a, in the moment kind of guy. Unfortunately, he was also an addict kind of guy. And that's what happened. Yeah. Were there a lot of addicts at that level? Because see what around the time that I first saw you, I didn't get to really well, I guess if I'm handing you a smoothie, that will be considered meeting. <laughs> I'd make naturals over the counter. Yeah. So I did. We did meet. Okay. Yes. <laughs> a smoothie or or some kind of yogurt or something. And uh, <laughs> so around that time, see, I was a struggling musician playing locally with Quiet Riot. So I was not in the same circle as you were. You were in the stratosphere. You were like out there, you know, circling in that planetary system. You know, I was all I was deep down on Earth <laughs> trying to find my way. <laughs> uh. To, to the big mothership. And so what, was that the norm for people to have addictions back then? Yes. <laughs> it was so early on. Like when I was hanging out with Jim Morrison, for instance, he was only, he didn't even drink yet. I mean, same with Jimmy Page. Early on, the first tour of America, he, he all he cared about literally was primping and being beautiful. I mean, he did not get take any hard drugs didn't hardly drink i mean it was it but then very soon after that like 1970 71 things started really changing people just Mm. got more and more fucked up and i don't know why i was not addictive i'm just thank god obviously you weren't either because Mm -mm. we're still here and we look halfway decent Mm -hmm. but uh, (laughs) you know it's uh it 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 wrecked everybody it it kept going It, it didn't stop you know you could I would stop because my body would say, you can't do this. And it's something about it, the addictive personality. It, it doesn't stop. They just want to keep going. You want to keep, keep that. You want to keep it. Right. So I watched a lot yeah. of people go down with that and some, re- some recovered, which is so great. You know, 
some recovery. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Page recovered. I mean, he came out of that. I, it's a miracle because, you know, but he did. And he's a grand elder statesman now. <laughs> mm, yes, yes. Unfortunately for, for me, I, I have I can tell you that uh, band, former you know bandmates of mine did not recover and did not make it. Yes. But they had they had the same beginning like you're describing when we were when we were all uh, starving musicians. You know, we we had that single collect you know that collective consciousness that it was all about the music. Yes. We didn't talk about politics. We didn't talk about sports. We just talked about the music, mm-hmm. the music, the music that we wanted to make and our influences. That's all we talked about. And then somewhere along the way, these addictions show up. Yeah. I, I Very know. strange. It is. You, you want to feel, you know, you try whatever it is and you want more of that. I mean, that's, that's what addiction is, I think, because there are some of us who just don't have that in our bloodstream. We just don't have that. My dad was an addict. My mom wasn't. Thank mm. God I got onto her trajectory. Mm. <laughs> I think I got more of her DNA than his, you know, but it's, it's the luck of the draw, isn't it? I mean, it seems that way. I don't believe that, but it seems that way. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about, I, I mean, I, I am part of the program. I am AA mm-hmm. and, and uh, actually <laughs> I stopped drinking over 23 years ago. It's going to be 24 very soon. Wow. And, and, <laughs> and I just, I did not join AA until recently. Oh, how interesting. So I, I had a very lonely journey, but it was, it was okay. Mm. I, you know, my body really does not need the alcohol. Uh, I am not, not one of those guys who, who, you know, has a burning sensation or anything like that. You know, thank God. As a matter of fact, my experience drinking, I had to force myself to drink at an early age because first of all i'm cuban and you know you have to be macho and like you know you're going to a club and you want you know you can't just sit there and order ginger ale you have to have a men's drink you know something with rum in it because you're 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 from the caribbean and yeah and and you should be smoking a cigar and that's where i drew the line i'm not gonna (laughs) be smoking a cigar you know first of all I don't even like this. What's going on? I'm I'm gonna go to L.A. where Led Zeppelin hangs out. <laughs> you know, this has nothing to do with me. You know, yeah. and again, it was just a matter of the consciousness. I mean, that did not make me any less Cuban. It just it just <laughs> gave me gave me a whole different mindset, set of values, and it defined who I wanted to be. way back then because i you know for instance tom petty says that he or said sadly that his moment came when he saw elvis in person he he went Mm. to a elvis happened to be filming in gainesville one of his clam bakers 
I forget what, oh no, follow that dream, which was such a perfect wow. title for Tom, right? So he saw him in person filming this because one of his, his uncles was one of the cameramen. And he saw Elvis in person. He didn't even get to see him play, but he saw the way people acted around him and the women and everything. So he said, okay, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. What was that moment for Mine, you? Mine uh, was very similar because it was all based on the female attraction factor. <laughs> uh, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan show. Here oh. I am. I'm 13 years old. And this is one thing about our generation of, of males that decided to pick up a piece of wood with some strings on it and you know <laughs> and, and, and this is our journey you know uh with it was we I just entered puberty my yeah. whole generation oh, yeah. <laughs> 13 years old and we're like confused and frustrated how we're gonna like we have this burning desire which has nothing to do with alcohol is the other thing right yeah. where we got puberty <laughs> yeah and how how are we gonna crack this code of appealing to the females, yeah, right? Yeah, because there has yeah. to be a code. There has to be a code, right? <laughs> and back then it was all about wearing. I'm talking about 1963 to 64. Yeah. The uh, you know I was 13 then, and all the cool guys in school that had the girls were the guys with a with a sweater, matching sweaters with a letter on it, which meant yep. that you were it's you know a jock basically. Jock, yeah, yeah. The rest of us we were invisible, right? Until one day, Ed Sullivan show, nineteen sixty four, <laughs> February nineteen sixty four. The Beatles come on Ed Sullivan, and I'm looking at the guys playing, and I go, "Well, that's cool." But then the camera pans oh. to the girls in the audience <laughs> screaming. Yeah, I go, "I want that." I've got to have that. I just broke the code. <laughs> that is so great. Yeah. I wonder how many other fellows experienced that same thing. Thousands. Oh, everybody, everybody that I know of my generation. Yeah. All the musicians that I know. That's exactly that moment. Wow. We can define it as when, when, you, when will you aspire, you know, what inspired you to become, to become a professional musician? We all have that moment in common. Not Papo Gigio or the dancing poodles <laughs> afterwards. It was the Beatles and the girls panning to the girls, the camera, and, and you got all the screaming girls, you know. Well, you that's know, what Gene Simmons says, said to me, to, well, he says to everyone, he did it for the girls. And, yeah. and I, at least he comes out and says it, you know. Yeah. And now, and now I, do, <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do it for one girl. <laughs> My wife of 37 years. That's yeah. amazing, too. <laughs> you know, that's a long, long marriage in rock and roll. Right. It's, it's you know, what, once you pass, you know, a certain, it's, it's you either figure it out or you're on your, you're almost there. So don't quit. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of like playing slot machine and you're down to your last quarter. It's like, yeah. I've been, I've been sitting at this machine for the last two or three days. It's about to hit any moment, you know. <laughs> so after you saw the Beatles, um, yeah, you you what? Why the bass? I mean, you know, I mean, why that uh -oh. as opposed? To, or or do you, you probably play all kinds of instruments, right? Uh, I own all kinds of instruments. Yeah. I, I am a bass player, right? <laughs> <You know>? Right. right. <laughs> yeah, bass and, players uh, were my thing. Oh my god. Well, I, I'm a musician. I, 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 you know, to me, to be a bass player is kind of like, you know, you're limiting, you're really limiting your, your perception of what a musician should be. 
Because first of all, you should be, you know, there's a language of music and then you, you pick an instrument to speak that language. Yes, exactly. Wow, that's and, so well put. Yeah, I love and that's that. and that's my goal, to be a better musician. Right. <laughs> right. With the instrument as my main base, you know. And that's yeah, that's what I concentrate on every day, how to improve my musicianship. And then it's so simple, you know, really, if, if you think about it and you break it down, there's so many rules that lead you to freedom. It's one of the very few uh state of being, you know, to be a musician, you're just not practicing. You are actually becoming, you become a musician. You know what I'm talking right. about. You're a musician. You know, you've been in a band. Know. You're <laughs> a performer. Really, you I'm know. a writer mainly. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's the identity that you choose. Yeah. But you, you understand the process. You've been part oh, yeah. of it. You've been your whole life. Yes. You know, you're surrounded by it, you know, and and so my my role every day is to expand my knowledge to really accept and embrace the fact that every single note relates to each other, just like people do. Human beings do. We're all connected. I know. 12 notes. You know? I know. Boy, you and I are definitely on the same wavelength. That's wonderful to find out. That's why we're in Los Angeles, because that's if we were not in the same wavelength, we'd be somewhere else, you know. Oh, and L.A., it's, it's kind of sad right now. I mean, you know, we have a terrible drought, et cetera, et cetera. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I chant, you know, I chant for L.A. Oh, you do? I chant. What kind of chants? A Native American Buddhist, or, or Buddhist, oh, Buddhist chant? Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it helps. Yeah, you know, of course. You feel like you're helping. Is this, there's got to be ways to help oh. music music helps i mean of course music is part of what actually helps the universe <laughs> well, of, sure. of, of course it helps because after all this planet your the the your experience on this planet as you know is based on your own perception of what your thoughts very your you know your thoughts your references from your experiences of the past your perception that you're gathering all this information and 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 putting it into perspective today of where you've been, where you're at now, mm. and then there's the unknown tomorrow. Yeah, humans are incredible that they don't. Yeah. Know. We don't know what's about to happen, and we still go. No. We still go on. You know, we have no idea. That's no. a, we're pretty amazing beings for that reason. Yeah, but we can also get on the freeway and trust. That these yeah. little white lines I know. <laughs> on the road are going to keep everybody from crashing. I know. know. There's I know. a lot of trust in that. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot of faith, you know. And uh, so, you know, it's if you if you really want to change your world, I mean, you, us, all of us, it, it must come from the inside. Because mm -hmm. who's to say that the only reason why you exist? Is because I'm perceiving you, yeah. and vice versa. This, oh yeah, this, we, is what, this is what we're zooming. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. So we, we can look at each we other. We create our own universes. I know this. Yeah, absolutely. And and if your <laughs> own universe, you're praying that that the the climate that mm -hmm. is occurring uh, currently in Los Angeles changes for the better, it will happen. If enough of us do. If enough of us do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it has to be a mass collective yeah. 
consciousness to create that. Yeah. So, so when you came to LA, I'm going to talk yes. more about your music too, because people okay. listening here want to know. Okay, I want to so, know too. So, so you, <laughs> so you <laughs> came to LA. Yeah. And and that was like Mecca to you in a way, and you thought, well, this uh, is where. Oh no, it, not in a way. It was Mecca. It is Mecca. It's still here, but it just happens like you know when archaeologists discover uh, ancient civilizations buried underneath sand. Yeah. That's my walk down Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> on the strip yes. uh -huh. i look at i look at the viper room and i don't see the viper room i see filthy mcnasties yeah <laughs> you know? yeah yeah i look Me at the too. whiskey and i see Even a marquee before. that says yeah tonight acdc playing at the, at the whiskey you know i walk into rainbow parking lot and i actually the my first experience in the rainbow parking lot 1976 77 it was a, mm -hmm. one of my first trips mm -hmm. i came uh i i I came to Los Angeles three times and I kept running out of money. So the best way that I could make money quickly was to go out, play top 40 somewhere else and then come mm -hmm. back with money and give it another shot. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, so my, the first time I went to the rainbow, uh, Tony, you know, that last call, you know, Oh yeah. and, and what, it, what was it? Good. Now my love, they played that, turned the lights on. Everybody went out like rats into the parking lot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, first of all, the lights are on. Second of all, the most non-rock and roll song you could ever hear. Yeah. Oh yeah. They do it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're out. Okay. So we're in the parking lot and remember there was, you know, this is before there was a bar or seating area in the, in the parking lot. It was just massive um driveway between the roxy and and the rainbow and i there's mass of people and i see kind of like the parting of the seas of people you know making wave for this green metallic green bmw with ringo driving it and oh. keith moon oh a spread eagle on the uh, on the hood <laughs> and i what knew a great I was moment oh boy. i was home I said, I'm here. This is it. <laughs> that was really a lucky moment for you. Yeah, wow. it, it couldn't happen anywhere. Oh, you remember in those days? I mean, because I'm pretty sure you were sitting at one of the booths that would be the Led Zeppelin booth and the yeah, back yeah. or the Who. Times, yeah. <laughs> the Who booth and, yep. and who else? Uh, Rainbow had a booth there too. And oh my God, it was like everybody. And us starving musicians, first of all, we couldn't even afford to buy food. So we just kept walking around until we got kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we sneaking in again. <laughs> so what, what was your first band in L.A. that you feel, you know, was where you me were meant to be?
Riot. Definitely Quiet Riot, the Randy okay. Rhodes version of the band. And that's when I remained a, uh, a permanent resident of Los Angeles. I, uh, because now I'm in a band, and in order for me to survive playing, you know, not really making a whole lot of money playing locally and yeah. rehearsing every night, that's when I started working at McNaturals. Okay. Yeah. So, so I was making a living, you know, all, mm -hmm. all the guys had jobs, you know, and they also live at home. I, I was living with, with a, uh, a female roommate, <laughs> one of those relationships that was kind of like, she really your girlfriend? I don't yeah, know. Like, I'm not sure. Like, like, a, yeah. like a lot of people had back then. You wanted to remain loose. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 So a convenience, you know? So, uh, so yeah, so that, that was definitely the first band, but you know, it's, it's, Looking back at it, it's really interesting because what I have been searching all along was, again, you know, I'm, I, I'm a true believer on, of consciousness. I mean, there's so many variables about consciousness and we all, we're all part of one big consciousness. And then we have like different consciousness within us that either repels or overlaps with other people's consciousness, you know, in, in beliefs, you know, belief systems. Yeah. And, and, and like I was talking about back then, it was all about the music. So if you could find three other guys, you know, in my case, being a bass player, a, a guitar player, drummer, and singer that liked the same music and the same bands mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. you did and make, because, you know, whatever we like, we make, we are fractals. We are basically, if we like, let's say, uh, humble pie. There is going to be humble pie in our music somehow, some way. Yeah, yeah. And if you yeah. like Queen, something's going to get in there. So we'll become like fractals of what of what we really resonates with us musically. You know, it could be lyrically, it could be uh, music itself. You know, or or like in the case of like let's say Queen and the Beatles and certain bands had the quality that they were chameleons musically. Mm -hmm. You, it was very unexpected, you know. Uh, yeah. I am the Warriors is just as out of the box as uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is. Yeah, yeah, I love those surprises. Oh, absolutely! It does absolutely. something to you. It jolts you somehow. It, it, you know, I always think of it. It's it, it's expansive. You know, I I've actually had experiences where my solar plexus opens up with live music and you know you realize who you really are and this connection to the world and the universe and all the other universes everything that is what great art i think you know connects to the person observing the art van gogh does the mm -hmm. same thing to me i stand in front of a van gogh and yeah. just you know swoon so that's great art right i mean the connection is a yeah so absolutely absolutely uh one of the last experiences that i had like that was when i was a member of uh, of uh dio you know ronnie james dio sure, his band and we used to do i i, I you know songs from his uh, rainbow days mm -hmm. and i just love richie blackmore's writing you know the whole conceptually that because it, it to me songs of that era was kind of like the equivalent of watching uh Lord of the Rings. Oh, oh a lot of oh. that music was very much influenced huh. by oh. by those books. You know, Zeppelin, yeah. one of them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, so hmm. you know, uh, we're doing a song called "Gates of Babylon." I think you're ready to see the gates of 
every night running would just hit a certain note that I swear I would levitate. <laughs> That's wonderful. I would be like, and I'm standing right next to him. And it's a it's a frequency, it's a tone, it's a vibration. Mm-hmm. Because it was it was a sustained note that he would hit. And it wasn't just because the note was high, it was the body, the big, it was like the whole resonance. It, it just seemed to have covered all the whole harmonic uh, range, all, all the frequencies, you know, all the harmonics within the note were just like hurt, hurt, held, and it was just kind of like, you know, like they they claim that someday we're going to have flying machines, you know, like I'm talking about flying cars and they're going to yeah. be driven by my magnetic, you know, you're going to be floating because of yes. that, not because of engines. It was yeah. just that same feeling. You're floating. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. I've had it. I've had it many times in front of bands that I, you know, swooned over. And still, it still happens. When I see Dylan play, for instance, you know, something always happens to me at a Dylan show. Uh, other people around me are complaining about his voice or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting that you mentioned that same perception that you're, you're, you're experiencing this, but somebody right next to you is going, what's the deal? <laughs> but you're getting it. Yeah. But see, in your, in your, world in your existence they really their 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 thoughts about something that is so clear to you and you're yeah. living it they yeah. really shouldn't have any effect on you on your belief system right but it makes me mad that they don't appreciate <laughs> dylan that they don't appreciate him for the history, for the for, for the shift he created in the whole entire universe, that they can't get that. That if it weren't for him, this so and so and so would never be around. No one would Absolutely. have said important things if he hadn't been around. But people don't get that because they're not my age. A lot of people, you know, they they can't get. It. So this is something that's frustrating to me. They can't understand it, and I want to shake them and I want to tell them the whole story. <laughs> Well, then that's that's true art because you can go to a museum and look at paintings and you you know to the untrained eye most of most of the artwork would just go unappreciated. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's why it's nice when you meet someone like you right now that understands what the fuck I'm talking about. Because oh, yeah. sometimes I get it. Sometimes people don't know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. Intri- you know what? I'm going to ask you a question. How many people that you experienced that have actually lived for a long period of time in Los Angeles? Hmm. I guess that's a good question. I don't really know if you know. I'd have to think about that, but probably not. I, I know it's a free. I was born here, so mm. I probably have more of that inner freedom. You know, whatever. And, and the fact, the whole spiritual thing, I was so open to so early on that I think I'm, yeah, I shouldn't get mad if that's the case, should I? I should be at peace all the time. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, if that's what you want, you should get it. You should be at peace. If you, if you recognize that that's missing in your life, it's. Yeah. Well, I work on can, it. I work yeah. on it. Well, oh, yes. Yeah. I'm always, right? I'm vigilant. With my thoughts, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you read the? Uh, I'm pretty sure you have because a lot of people that have been asking 
I asked him, have you read the four agreements? Yes. Yes, that's that's such a beautiful book. Yes, and it's simple. It's it's simple. Yes. It's a good one to recommend to people who are, you know, have an inkling about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. I started with Yogananda in high school. Mm-hmm. I started getting the, you know, the SRF uh monthly lessons in high school. That's how long, mm-hmm. that's how far back I go with trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> Yeah. As soon as I came to L.A., I got exposed in the 70s to so many uh, faith driven. You know, it's kind of like the new age of awareness. Yes. Yeah. New age. This new, what age. Absolutely. new age. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm just trying. I'm just, you know, I was raised Catholic. I'm a, I am Christian. I read the Bible every day. And and so it's not like I, I turn away from Christ. No, I'm trying to find. OK. I got my Christianity teachings, but then again, I am entering a place that there's a whole different spirituality here, and I must plug into it mm-hmm, in order mm-hmm. to, in order to be able to function or vibrate at the frequency that this place vibrates at. So once I got here, I, I there was a lot of stuff going on in, in the late '70s, and oh, yeah. one of them was this uh, Buddhist uh, author. Uh, T. Lopsan Rampa. Mm-hmm. He had a series of books, so I started reading them, uh-huh. and it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 a pretty dense quantum field physics, you know, quantum mechanics sort of storyline that probably right now somebody at Marvel Studios is developing <laughs> because <laughs> you know it, it could be a little convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, it could really happen, you know. And so I, I started really getting into that. And and before I knew it, I was actually having visions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I started experiencing visions that now I, I've, I've been following Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, I and, know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, check it out. If you're into like... Uh, uh, you know, doing things from the quantum field. Yeah, which sure. Is basically, I love it. Yeah. How do you spell that? Oh, doc, uh, Dr. Joe. And yeah. then this Dispenza. D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A. Okay. And it's got gazillions of uh, videos and books and, oh, and all okay. that. Oh, I'm sure and, I love that. Yeah. And and after 40 some, some years of having had that experience, uh, in a little apartment of Palm and on Holloway. I was living in a, right there, right across from Tower Records. I know. It I well. didn't, <laughs> yeah, I did not understand what I was experiencing, even though it followed me through my life. And at some point, I, I, I could go, oh, my God, I, I, what is going on? What am I experiencing here? And it wasn't until I started watching his tutorials and reading his books that I learned that they're actually uh, mandalas like geometric mm-hmm. geometric designs that appear in front of you and when you're in that state the uh, the third eye scans it and it's oh. information it's inform you know oh, like some people oh, like coding coding yeah. coding yeah some people get intuitions uh you wake up one day and you got either a song in your head that yeah, you don't yeah. know where it came from or, yeah. or 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 knowledge knowledge that you go i where did i learn this yeah. it happens during this period of your meditation yes if you allow it 
if you if, if somehow you open open to it. I'm a Jesus girl too, by the way. I have him tattooed on my back. <laughs> oh, really? Oh yeah. I was born again when I was very young. So I wrestled with that, with the religious aspect of that for years. I guilt tripped myself, you know, about fornication and everything. And then I realized he doesn't care if I get laid or not. He really does mm-hmm. not. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, so mm-hmm. it took a while though. It was a, it was, I wrestled with it, but I still, you know, he was a great master and I still believe in all the, everything he said. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the more I study science, I mean, I'm not a scientist. My, my goal, what I really want to achieve with music is to find the fundam- fundamental relationship of, of quantum physics and, and music itself. Mm. Because it is waves, you know, we, like I was talk- talking before, it's turning matter, musical mm-hmm. instruments into waves versus waves into matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything exists in a waveform, in an energy, yeah. right? It's not until we put our focus on it that it becomes solid and matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's hard, very hard to almost comprehend with the brain we have, but I'm getting closer and closer to understanding that because I've studied yeah. these things my whole life too. Yeah. My, my next book is actually called Sex, God, and Rock and Roll. It's my spiritual journey alongside. Wow. The, alongside Love that. Yeah my third memoir <laughs> love that love yeah. that oh oh i wrote a book and it was um and what i'm saying i wrote a book is i understand the dedication the commitment once you go on that go down that rabbit hole there ain't no turning back you gotta finish that book you know well, hopefully so, yeah i mean <laughs> you, will. you do i mean you have already uh, written two books five Five books, five yeah. books. So yeah. you're where you have a really deep understanding of that. And when I wrote my my book, I I, I did it for one just one purpose was to actually answer the number number one question I get asked when I tr- when I travel around the world, which is what was it like to play with Randy Rhodes? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, you know? I, I I know you wrote that book. I was going to ask you about Randy because um, I know you were very close. Mm-hmm. and he is considered a huge guitar hero to, to this mm-hmm. day he probably always yeah was. what was yeah. so special about his playing what was i mean what was Ooh. that you just got it or Ooh. i mean uh, again you know it's all consciousness and he had a, a specific consciousness that that okay within the the choir riot collective consciousness you know the uh kevin dubrow i, I don't know if you ever met him oh yeah i met him <laughs> yeah yeah him, him and michael you know they, they were pretty close before kevin passed away yeah and um uh, and, and a big fan mm-hmm. fan fan of michael you know from the uh going back to silverhead and, and oh, yeah. you know detective and all of that i know, know? I, I i i got along with kevin and michael certainly yeah. um yeah. i know he was they difficult did. at times <laughs> yeah well <laughs> but anyways so uh you know we only have one thing in common which was music and for and for see for kevin was more like the rock the rock dog he didn't have the education that randy had he he came from a musical family his mom had a music school in in northridge I'm sorry, in North Hollywood. Okay. Uh, oh. uh, right off Tiara and, and Lowell Canyon. 
Wow. Right up I there. there. Okay. Yeah. I know that area yeah. well. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Real well. <laughs> yeah. Next to a muffler shop. <laughs> and, uh, on, uh, yeah, so it, it, yeah, the school is named Musonia. And so he was, he was raised with music. He was educated at a very early age. And then there came a time where he became a teacher. So when we were playing in Quiet Riot, he would teach for about eight hours a day. Hmm. And then he would come to rehearsal somewhere in Burbank. And hmm. then we would rehearse for, you know, hour and a half, a couple hours, or maybe work on some new material because we wanted to get signed. Yeah. And uh, this is 70, when I joined the band, 78, and then it ended in 79. And that, that was it. That's all we did. Music, 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 music. And which is a little bit different nowadays with social media and all, a lot of distractions. You know, people ask me, how come all these guys were so great? It's because yeah. we have no distractions. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Not even a cell phone or anything like nothing. that. Nothing. No internet even. It was great. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Not even, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, when I joined Ozzy 20 years ago, the sure shot camera, which meant that you didn't have to focus it, yeah. came out. So, <laughs> so there were like a bunch of cameras in the front lounge of the tour bus, you know, but that was the only technology. Oh, and then the Walkman. Oh, yeah. The, oh, I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah. Oh my God! So you mean I don't have to listen to this to whatever this guy's playing because I don't like my my not like what he's playing. I just put my headphones on. I listen to what I yeah. want to hear. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So everybody in the tour bus sitting with Walkman uh. <laughs> to, to whatever you want to yeah. listen to. You know. But it, you know, Randy, it, it was all about the music. So was Quiet Riot, and but with him, all about the music from from academia education, mm. and so when he joined Ozzy. He, he very educated musically, so he could go pop, he could go classical. You know, there were no boundaries musically, really, within the rock and roll realm that 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 Randy could not go into. So when he asked, when he joined Ozzy, he asked Ozzy, "What do you want me to write?" And Ozzy said, "Just just be yourself," mm. which meant that the music that he had been not allowed to compose as a member of a local glam metal band, Quiet Riot, because classical music would have not been part of it. Right, right. You know. Yeah. You know. So he was able to do that with Ozzy. And that's when the real, you know, Randy was exposed to, yeah. to the world. You know, his talent was exposed to the world. And that made him very unique. Also, um, if you, uh, as far as him being a shredder, See, if you look at that period where Van Halen got signed, what, 76, 77? And then that was the last metal band to get signed in Los Angeles. Then came New Wave from Punk mm, yeah. in the late 70s. Uh -huh. And then Randy was not in L.A. He went to England and he recorded in England. He was part of that New Wave of British heavy metal, like Def Flipper and Motorhead and Saxon, you know. Iron Maiden, all these guys. And so he was like the, the only American musician from that new wave of British metal coming yeah. into the United uh -huh. States, you know? And as with, you know, with Ozzy, those two amazing records, Blizz Blizzard of Oz and Diary of Mehmet, which were actually recorded before I joined the band, uh, we just kept touring. We did one tour for Blizzard, and then we took one month off and we had Diary of a Madman in the can. So we just kept touring. 
So even though he he died very young, I mean, oh wow, my God, he yeah, he died in the middle of the uh, of the of the Diary of a Madman tour, March nineteenth, nineteen eighty two. Uh, he was able to tour a lot in comparison. Like if you had to go back in the studio, make another record that takes right, a few months right. up. So, you know, he, he had to, he got to present himself in front of an audience uh, more than, than usually for that very short amount of, amount of time. And, and your book is about your relationship with him, right? Yeah. I, I, I wanted to create a, a, a diary type format because I wanted to take the reader through the journey. And again, I, I'm very aware of perceptions. And I know that if I write in from my own perception, rather than this is what happened, rather than this is how I feel about what happened, hmm. chances are that, that there's going to be some, some readers that could not connect with that. So I just present the facts. This is what hmm. happened. This is what was okay. said, or in the spirit of what it was said, like, yeah, and you make your own conclusion. Mm. And what's that called? So people can, oh, yeah, it's uh, off the rails. It's you can download it, uh, Kindle from Amazon, good, and also print per order to okay. Amazon. Yeah, okay, great. Well, that's wonderful to write a book. I mean, I having done it, I, I really admire that solitude that one has to sit around in for so long to get that done you know Zappa was a, a kind of obsessed with randy rhodes mm -hmm. he, he actually got most of his uh kind of guitar playing mm -hmm. from him he was so devastated when he passed i remember yeah. he was still a teenager yeah. and 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 he had already become an amazing guitar player. And then, you know, to to play his dad's music, Zappa plays Zappa. He had to relearn the guitar. He had to relearn how to play like his father because he did not do it. He didn't play at all like him. He was playing more like Randy Rhodes. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It took him a long time. I think it's he said three years or something to learn really? how to play like his dad plays. Wow. Was it technical? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much muscle memory involved yeah. in what we do. I find yeah. myself facing that many times because uh -huh. I try to open up my 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 musical horizons, which means I gotta play different styles. Not that yeah. I did not before, but what happens is, see, I grew up in with the top 40 uh market, which means that the bands that I played in, we played diversified top 40 music when we had top 40 on the radio which could be yeah. anything from Johnny Cash to, to, uh, to Deep Purple, you yeah. know, everything <laughs> yeah. between, you know, yeah. whatever was on the radio, you know, Smoke in the Water, Ring of Fire, followed by Ring of Fire <laughs> and, and the same set list, you know. Yeah. So, so you always, you know, you always find ways when you're, you, when you're recreating somebody else's creations to make things work, you know, technically, technically. But what's the most challenging to me is when I start creating my own creations and I go outside of the box, the technique, I, because I'm not recreating somebody, I have to create my own. Yeah. And that's, that's where it becomes a challenge mm -hmm. because muscle memory, yeah. muscle yeah. memory keeps me from breaking away of that box. Right, right, right. So you can understand how, how he had to do that. 
that was absolutely a whole, totally different way of playing yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah yeah well we have been speaking for an hour oh wow Amazing. time flies yeah. <laughs> Oh and you know we're, we are going to interject some songs because you mentioned you know different bands and everything i i just want to tell you you know before we leave my first three lovers were bass, bass players yeah were they musicians that i would know well nick st nicholas from steppenwolf oh yeah steppenwolf um, yeah and then noel redding no really yeah he was second yeah wow <laughs> and chris hillman you know I finally landed oh, yeah, for my, that, for my the favorite birds. hero. Yeah, yeah. So those are my yeah. first three lovers. Isn't that interesting? Bass players. Yeah, very. Uh, Chris, incredibly underrated bass player uh, and musician. Beautiful bass player. Well, no yeah. writing too. We had to keep up with that guy. Oh my God! I, I think know. Noel is underrated. I I've always thought that. Yeah, but you know, I of course I never met him, but I read some of the books. But then again, you know. But anyways, I I him ha- coming from a guitar s background. I, I thought maybe, hmm, of course you're playing with Hendrix, but maybe you should be playing guitar just to fulfill who you really are. Yeah, he was a frustrated. He was very frustrated most of his, his career, sadly. Yeah, um, very sad. Yeah. I, uh, my favorite drummer, in case you're interested, is Mitch Mitchell. I love Mitch. Yeah. Mitch I love Mitch. Know, even though I, was, I dated Keith Moon quite a bit, or date, I don't know if you call it that, but uh, <laughs> I love Mitch's playing because he could, yeah, you know, the Hendrix thing. Yeah, yeah. These guys that came from playing their music before rock and roll existed, they yeah. came from from big bands, swing swing bands, so. innovators, 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 innovators. Yeah. yeah. yeah so you know what I would love to do if I don't know if whenever you have the time the next few weeks i would love to invite you on my show oh sure it's a monsters of rock radio it's it's like an old-time radio format whereas actually yeah it's it's we do eight segments of 10 minutes each Mm. and and there's two segments per hour and the rest is music because it's a music-centric station monsters of rock yeah and uh your your life is basically the soundtrack of that radio station. I, I do the show exactly like you, we just did oh, this. Okay. It's just audio, but we look okay. at each other. And this is a really good connection that okay. you have here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Thank you, I really Pamela. enjoyed It's such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
That's so amazing that the turns, the twists and turns that that interview went through. I mean, wow, what a deep guy on top of being, you know, this incredible bass player and playing with all these insanely cool bands right at the peak, you know, the height of their, you know, fame. He's very deep. And, you know, I, I love connecting with people in a wider, deeper, more expansive way. So that was very cool. You know, a lot of you might not know that my first book, I'm with the band, the big bestseller, has a sequel. And it's called Take Another Little Piece of My Heart, A Groupie Grows Up. And of course, it's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you want to buy your books. And it follows up my, you know, the story from I'm with the band. It's about a rock and roll marriage, the rise and fall of a rock and roll marriage, and all kinds of other, you know, very interesting tidbits. So take another little piece of my heart, a groupie grows up. And thank you for listening. And I hope you continue to listen. My name is Pamela Debar. I'm at PamelaDebarOfficial.com. I'm all over Facebook. I'm all over Instagram and Twitter. So please join me. And remember, listen to all your Pantheon podcast podcasters because we're the coolest. Listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, produced by Aaron Alden and Christian Swain. All sound design by Jerry Danielson and Busy Signal Studios. Find Miss Pamela at Pamela DeBar on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Find all the Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Pantheon Podcasts, Rock and Roll Archaeology on Instagram, and Pantheon Pods on Twitter. Liquid bleach, liquid bleach, Clorox makes clothes bright. But what about these cloudy wine glasses? Add glass cleaner to my cart. Adding Clorox disinfecting bleach to your cart. What? No, for glassware. Clorox can also make glassware sparkle, keep flowers fresh, and remove chocolate, wine, all your usual stains. Rude. Clean anything with the versatile Clorox disinfecting bleach. Discover more hacks at Clorox.com learn. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? 
Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.